0: Welcome to episode 103 of the Animal Addicts podcast. On today's episode, Casey and I kind of talk about the same thing in regards to species getting new protections, though I go into a little more specifics on certain species. I must also say that today's episode is kind of a blooper-filled episode and features a silent yet distracting co-host Tiger Lily. We learn about two new awesome picks and our heavily adapted animal of the week. So here is episode 103 of the Animal Addicts podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 103 of the Animal Addicts podcast, as always, we're your host Allie. And Casey. And we're going to talk about a whole new batch of super cool animals. But before we get into that, what have you been up to, Casey?
1: So I want to give some updates on my internship.
0: Okay, nice.
1: First, some sad news.
0: Oh, God. Really sad news. You had sad news last, last time. <laughs>
1: yeah. So it's more sad news. Oh, jeez. So our cheetah dog, Yara. <gasps> oh, no. We found out she has cancer. Oh. Yeah. She's only 15 months old.
0: <gasps> oh, no. Yeah. What kind of dog is she? She's a lab. That's...
1: Apparently
0: labs have problems with that.
1: Yeah, because there was a mass um, when she went in for her spay Mm -hmm. and they removed it. uh, But then they went in for a follow-up and found out that it's cancer. Oh no. So now she just about, I think two, three days ago, she went back in um, for a biopsy. And hopefully we're going to get those results tomorrow. And currently, the best case scenario is if it has not spread, she will likely have another surgery um, and radiation.
0: Aw, pupper. Yeah, and
1: possibly chemo. Good thing with radiation is she'll be able to hang out with her cheetah, which I think she only started again about a day and a half, a day ago. Aw. Yeah. So, hoping for the best, and we don't know if it's what their plan will be if it's has spread oh no yeah and she's such a sweet dopey dog of course she is. she's a yeah. lab
0: that's what they are well
1: like when i first met her she had she was like had no interest in me <laughs> <laughs> and i was like oh
0: yeah i love you it's so sweet it's because she heard about you, you know. talking about how dogs are so needy i'm <laughs> just like forget that guy
1: yeah it's so funny it's like oh, a like uh, when people come for like the cheetah tours and it's like isn't the dog afraid of the cheetah it's like no she's the boss <laughs> <laughs> and it's like n- when you go to any zoo that kind of does that kind of program that's yeah. always the case
0: <laughs> like aren't they gonna eat it I'm like no. <laughs> no also a dog could take a cheetah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but anyway yeah. there you go mm-hmm. all right was well, you have anything positive yes so okay I've been good
1: doing some new stuff i've handled most of our reptiles now
0: all right who's the coolest one <laughs>
1: Oh, that's a tough one. Okay, I love Rhea, who's our red Argentine tegu.
0: Okay. The
1: cutest thing. I have yet to get a photo of it, and I forgot to, uh, because um, we actually took, the, uh, it was a very nice day on Saturday, um, so we took all, of our, all but one of our reptiles out for some natural sunlight. Um, but her, when we do it, uh, she gets put on her little harness. No, It's so, fun. so cute. I love her, but my god, when I pick her up, worse scratch marks on my oh, arm. Oh, really? Yeah. Keep in mind, we have a green iguana, and these scratch marks aren't as bad.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: It's more because she's young, so she gets real wily wiggly, and wiggly, yeah. and it's like, you can't put her down when she, you do that, because then it's like, oh, if I wiggle and do this, they'll then put they'll me put down. they'll put me down, yeah. So, yeah, you just take it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why don't you just put a towel or something over your arm when you pick her up?
1: We have gloves, but...
0: Well, you know she's going to scratch you. Yeah,
1: but you take...
0: <laughs> so take a preventative measure. Yeah,
1: I could have used a glove, but...
0: There you go. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, But I've also handled the most dangerous animal I'll work with. Okay. That is Sally, our common snapping turtle. Oh, dear. Yeah. It's just awkward holding a snapping turtle because they can reach at up to about... A to the third back portion of their body. Oh, geez. So what you have to do is you have to grab them on the carapace where their legs are at. Okay. So it's just a really awkward angle.
0: On the front part? No, the back. How do you, how do you, how do you pick that up? Oh, Like that.
1: It? I'm holding oh, her awkward. right behind her legs.
0: That's awkward, yeah. okay. She's
1: not as heavy as she looks and she's pretty good with handling, so not too bad. And I've handled one of our alligators.
0: I love that she's the most dangerous. Yes, you alligators because they're like this big.
1: Yeah. Well, she bites you, you lose a finger. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And now I'm so happy I'm not the only intern on Fridays now. One person makes such a huge difference. Really? It does, man. Because <laughs> our Amber's like, we're on a good schedule. We are finished with the barn animals by 1030. Mm-hmm. That was not the case before we got this new person. Okay. <laughs> Especially if you have tours, then it's a big mess. Um, how
0: many interns do they have? They only have a few paid people, right? Mm-hmm. And then how many interns do they have? I don't know. I haven't
1: bothered to look at the, the full email list. And <laughs> oh, okay. Determine it. But yeah. no. um, But some. But now, because some of the days that we have excess amount of people, it's like, there's no reason to have three plus people on these strings. So some days, on those days, I get to do something else. So like that's when I first started working with Binturong's. They do hold a reputation for the dirtiest animals we have there.
0: (laughs) I thought you were saying it was the coati.
1: Yes, but now I see that the Bentrongs are it. (laughs) Okay. But coatis come close second. Okay, okay. It's mainly because the coatis just make a mess everywhere. Okay. Whereas the Bentrongs are just really disgusting in their house for the most part. (laughs) Because we put down stacks of newspaper and towels and they just like to go in their house, and it's disgusting.
0: Okay, lovely. Mm -hmm.
1: But yeah, um, and like I said, I notice the popcorn smell when I go into the adults' enclosures, but not the young ones. I don't know why. (laughs) And funny enough, one of the volunteers, she's worked with them, and is like, I I think it's a lie. She was like, I was thinking it's a lie, because I still can't smell it. (laughs) But yeah, I need to sneak
0: into this place, just so I can (laughs) see about smelling the Benchurongs, (laughs) and finding out the whole story about how... The Kinkajou Yeah, the voice I think of... because
1: they have worked with some studios before, like they've worked with Animal Planet and Disney Channel way back then. Yeah. Possibly that's how. I keep forgetting to ask, and I can't this week, because they're going to South Africa.
0: Yeah, you're going to have to. That's fun.
1: Yeah, um. we have a, a subsidiary of us is Wild Eco Tours. We take people on safaris, and the first one right now is in South Africa. And then they're doing one in Borneo, and then next year and then later in the next year it's costa rica i think Ooh, mm-hmm.
0: that's pretty sweet yeah but uh yeah you need to find out this information yeah. for me mm-hmm.
1: and um i also f- finally got to work with the cats okay um siri does not like people okay. <laughs> for the most part what kind she's of cat an old, is she she's a serval She's a grouchy old lady.
0: Oh, no. Okay.
1: (laughs) And I was warned. So what I had to do in the morning is there's a guillotine that separates her crate, which is where we feed her in the morning from her enclosure. And what you do is you set her bowl in the back of her crate. Mm -hmm. So she goes all the way in Mm -hmm. and you can drop the guillotine and she can't go out while you're cleaning. Right. And when you pull down and say crate and she goes in, then you drop the guillotine.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But when you go in, I was warned that sometimes she'll reach (laughs) through... (laughs) to try to get you oh no yeah Yeah. um and also get to give them enrichment sometimes we have a bunch of colognes and perfumes we use um but this time it was oregano and i think oh asparagus those
0: are colognes these are animals
1: no that's what we i this cologne is sometimes what we use for enrichment okay because they like smell different smells yeah, yeah But this time, for a smell enrichment, we use oregano and asparagus.
0: Like actual yes. plants. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Just
1: rubbed it on her stumps and Okay, other okay, 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 Yeah.
0: Who are the other cats?
1: So we have two servals. The other one's Sabi. He's very sweet. He's Aww. two. No, three. And they actually train him. Um, I've seen some of the training sessions. And he can jump really high.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: And he loves his bottle.
0: Oh. <laughs>
1: um so there's those two then the third one is a Siberian lynx named Tiani.
0: Ooh. Yeah.
1: And then unfortunately we lost our other lynx. That's right. That I miss it. He's, really he was such a goofball. Oh. Yeah, and th- we were talking about like feeding the cats meats and like he was very fussy cuz it couldn't be too moist or he wouldn't touch it.
0: <laughs> so he's <it's> a cat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he
1: was he was such a unique cat. Yeah. And then we have our three cheetahs. Right. Mm-hmm. And I did cleaning for their dens as well.
0: How exciting. Mm
1: -hmm. I did reach for the wrong guillotine, though. Oh, no. Because we have their enclosures and then the cat yard, which Mm -hmm. we rotate them. And one of the guillotines, their handle has a clip because that's to the field. And you can't let two into the yard at the same time or else they'll fight. And so it's like, just remember that one to the yard is always clipped. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Yeah.
0: Are you allowed to get pictures at these places? I get, I
1: take pictures, yeah.
0: I want to see pictures.
1: All right.
0: I want photo evidence, <laughs> and I also want to know the story about this whole Baby Yoda slash Booh situation. Kima. And then, uh, yeah, also I want a picture. I probably can't get a picture of the diva Kima though. Anyway, but I want pictures of all these cuties. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, speaking of cuties, kind of she's a cutie she's cutie but she's also a brat (laughs) so i finally got my new bed that took forever and it's an automatic not automatic it's an adjustable one so um the first time she was sitting at the base of the bed and i lifted the back of it and she's like what the heck and she's looking at like what's going on and then i was mean and i lifted the front part of it and that was it she was out Mm -hmm. so she's still freaked out it has been like a week now that i've had this bed and she still gets freaked out She'll, like, deal with it. If it's the if it's whatever side she's not laying on, she'll just stare at it and be scared. But if it's a side she's laying on, that's it. She's out. And I move it multiple times a day. I finally figure out how to program it to the sleep positions, so then I can, like, make it flat or put it up later. Um, but anyway, so she is, uh, she's freaked out by it. <laughs> Long and the short of it, Tiger Lee is still freaked out by the bed. And because I don't have a headboard attached right now. So it's more challenging for her to get into the windowsill. Mm. <laughs> and then I think this morning, was that this morning or yesterday morning? I don't know. But my pillows are all funky because there's no headboard. I, like, so occasionally will lose a pillow. On the back. So I think she was trying to get to the window sill. So she stepped on the pillow, but the pillow was kind of hanging off the back of the mattress. So the pillow fell. <laughs> so she like falls. I'm like, this is what I don't need to be dealing with. I don't want you using your claws. My biggest fear is she's going to jump for the window and not get it and hook into the curtains mm-hmm. and just take the whole thing down. I can just see that happening, which I would not be laughing if that happened when I was sleeping because it was smacking the head. But anyway, I just I'm hoping we get the headboard to work so this will be better, but It's a whole challenge. And then she tries to find her way through boxes and stuff down there. Anyway. Life with a cat is Mm -hmm. challenging. That's all I can say. (laughs) And then I'm supposed to go visit my parents for Christmas and my mom and I were talking about the plan for how we deal with her and the dog.
1: Oh, yeah. I remember that last.
0: Um, I was like, if your dog just wouldn't try to eat the cat, everything would be easy. Because we have my grandma and, like, her walker and everything. Mm -hmm. So that... Between having grandma and the walker and then the dog trying to eat the cat, those are the two complicating factors that make everything impossible. Mm -hmm. So we think we have a new solution for this year that we're going to try. I'm like, if your dog could just not eat my cat, then we wouldn't have to worry about any of this. (laughs) And life would be easy. And it'd be Mm -hmm. a better trip for the cat because she won't be stuck in a room the whole time. Mm -hmm. But anyway. Also, my mom wants to get a tactical vest for the dog.
1: A tactical vest? Yeah.
0: And he's, like... He's got to have hound in him, but he's, like, shepherd, probably hound, I think. Mm-hmm. He looks scary. And I'm like, now you want to get, like, a military-type looking vest for him. I'm like, so now you want him to look scarier <laughs> than he already looks? Anyway, it's going to be crazy. But anywho, let's move on into what we want to talk about. Yes.
1: So, what I'm going to talk about is some animals may be getting some more protections from a U.N. wildlife conference. Okay. Okay. This is regard to CITES, the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species of Wild Fauna and Flora, which is a convention of 184 nations, and they are going to be considering tightening trade regulations on around 600 species of plants and animals that are potentially at risk of extinction. While nine other species are recommended for less restrictive international trade regulations, um, one of the species that they are going to be debating about is regards to hippos. Okay. Because they are hunted for their ivory, and that is transported across um, internationally. Especially, the largest exp- importers are the U.S. and France.
0: What are we importing ivory for? Are we still using it for it pianos? Pretty. <laughs> yeah, pretty stuff. Okay,
1: yeah. So they are. There's debate around that, and the people. There's arguments with some African countries saying that their populations are getting too high, so it's perfectly fine if there's hunting mm-hmm. um, to keep the populations check. While there's other African countries that have um, disagreed with that, and those were the ones that actually brought it are bringing this to the convention. Mm-hmm. And then there are some countries that are. Um, talking about getting rid of the ban on elephant ivory, which is very, I would say, very unlikely to happen because internationally that ban has very strong support. Yeah. Um, and they are also looking for tighter regulations. Are sharks in the shark fin trade? Yes. Currently around 25% are... Of species um, involved in the shark fin trade are protected. If the species that are being considered are included in tightening regulations, that number will increase to 90%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are some people that aren't against with societies. Um, some people say it's not doing enough, um, but it's very complicated because it does these international wildlife trade is huge and so it's going to take international effort and currently cites is about the best that we have mm-hmm. and they have been successful in some areas um and then others have special interest groups like the united states association of reptile keepers they basically advocate for responsible private ownership and trade in reptiles amphibians And they've made statements regarding to the convincing that addressing reductions in wild populations by limited captive breeding and legal trade is counterproductive. Of course, I will disagree because there are multiple species that you can find in the pet trade that are so very rarely bred in captivity. They're almost exclusively brought in from the wild. An example of that would be legless lizards, actually. They're not very easy to breed. And so if you ever find one in captivity, um, it's most likely wild-caught.
0: Oh, no. Okay.
1: And some species, they're just so common that they don't even go through the effort of breeding them in captivity. One good example is Russian tortoises. They're a very common species, so people don't put much money and resources to breeding those guys, so many of them are wild-caught. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah. So... The some of the big ones being considered are, like I said, the hippo trade, as well as the really big one, in my opinion, would be those concerning the shark trade because it would be very good if we went from 25% of the species having protections to 90%. Right. Mm -hmm. So, those this convention is happening in Panama, and those discussions will take over the course of two weeks. Mm -hmm. And they are with regards to reptiles, there are various turtles, snakes, frogs, and lizards that are being targeted and they're hoping to increase regulations on those as well.
0: Cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you stole my story. <laughs> oh I did? Yes. Because <laughs> mine I mean mine was the shark specifically. Okay. <laughs> but I guess we'll get a little more specific into the sharks. Mm-hmm. Um so anyway, uh so specifically, more than fifty species of sharks mm-hmm. are to be given protection. Um, from CITES, obviously here I we went to CITES, I don't have to tell you about CITES, he's already gone into it, so that's what's doing it, and it's in Panama, there you go, you already know that. Um, but anyway, so the measures apply to the Requiem shark family, which includes tiger sharks, as well as six small hammerhead sharks, um, and they're being pushed to the edge of extinction, uh, mostly because of shark fin and soup, so anyway, um, so yeah, anyway, they're just saying that, um, you know, it's a landmark vote, well. It has to vote. It probably mm-hmm. has happened by now. Anyway, <laughs> when we're recording this, it does not. When this airs, I think it will Most up. likely. Um, anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. But yeah, so that way it'll just help the sharks because obviously they have one of the biggest issues with overfishing for their mm-hmm. fins. Also, that one just disgusts me because it's like they cut the fins off and then just toss them back yeah. in the water. So so. All like, if you're going to kill animals, you got to use the animal, mm-hmm. like not just a part of it. Which is why I'm not anti-leather because I'm like we're killing the cows to eat them, so mm-hmm. use the skin. Anyway, um,
1: well, long time the problem with me with leather was the pollution from the toxins that they use.
0: I guess that's so, true in the like actual process. Yeah, of but it. then
1: your alternative is plastic, which you're <laughs> releasing carbon
0: dioxide. To I feel like also <laughs> pretty much everything in the world there's there's a problem with everything. Yeah. Like, you trade one problem for another problem, but maybe yeah. this problem overall is less of a problem, but it's still a different problem.
1: Yeah, like, I think I talked on here about, like, which bags to use, like, there's benefits to, like, the more thicker plastics, because they don't use as much, um, have as much carbon emissions, but then these plastic bags create more waste in the environment. Right. Costs and benefits that you have to weigh.
0: There's always. hmm Anyway, so there you go yeah so like he said the countries are meeting for over two weeks <laughs> to debate proposals to protect uh sharks turtles songbirds and obviously other species so anyway mm-hmm. and then um and yeah so then yeah. they will do and, that and we'll see how this goes
1: yeah and just a quick correction they're not just playing on titan regulations they're looking for an outright ban on the hippo ivory trade which should be good yeah
0: anyway so, yeah, and then they were saying specifically these two shark families make mm-hmm. up over 50% of the trade in shark fins. So, that's why this one is important mm-hmm. for these guys. Also, could you imagine taking a fin off a tiger shark and then dumping the tiger shark back mm-hmm. in the water? That's crazy. That's a giant waste. Yep. Anyway, also, because I don't think they'd die right away from that, right? That might no, take would. them a while to die. Yeah
1: yeah they would eventually suffocate well they would eventually or, but
0: i mean that's a slow death yep. and you're just gonna like fall because mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do anyway that really pisses me off yeah so and,
1: yeah and they also talk about like a lot of the they're claiming is bycatch so they have to use it but it's like you no, know, this isn't bycatch this is their targets
0: yeah it's ridiculous mm-hmm. anyway all right well there you go so there's a little more specifics on tar- sharks, and so sharks and hippos apparently are the big winners here. Hopefully, yeah, but theoretically, and
1: over over 600 species.
0: Yes, so we'll see. We'll see how and that Some
1: actually plants. Can <laughs> find anything?
0: Well, no, that's all right. We'll have to see if there's a follow up if we have any more news of if that actually worked out or not. So, anyway, so that is going to bring us to our picks category this <laughs> week, and it was Casey's turn. And what did you pick, Casey?
1: I went with non-carnivorous mammals. Okay. In Africa. Did we announce we're in Africa now
0: yet? I don't know if we did. We are in <laughs> Africa. And then when you picked that, I was like, oh my gosh, what do I even choose? Yeah. Also, carnivorous, does that just have to be meat or would insects <laughs> also count against that?
1: I probably would have accepted insects. Okay, because
0: I was like, do I go with like meerkats? but I feel like they eat all kinds of mm. things, but then I also felt like meerkats were basic, so I want something else. Anyway, yeah. but tell us about yours.
1: Okay, I went with the rock hyrax.
0: Okay, they're cool. Mm-hmm. I'm happy you chose them.
1: Yes. So their scientific name is Procavia capensis. There are actually two distinct populations of rock hyrex, with the southern population being found in countries uh, like Angola, Namibia, South Africa, up to parts of Zimbabwe and Mozambique, while the northern population covers western central Africa, ranging from northern Tanzania to parts of Saudi Arabia. And as their name would suggest, they live in rocky shrub-covered habitats. Their lifespan is about 9 to 12 years. They are roughly the size of a guinea pig. About 30 to 56 centimeters long and weigh 2 to 5 kilograms.
0: 50. 50 centimeters? Yep. That's a lot bigger than a guinea pig.
1: (laughs) It's not very common they get that big.
0: That's really big. I, the ones at the zoo, I feel like are like half that. Mm-hmm. Also, I love the ones at the zoo are just in this random little thing that you only see if you go on the bus mm. and they never point them out. Yeah. It's so weird. Anyway, yeah. continue. Sorry. I see
1: them every day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you're special.
1: Yes. So, hyraxes are herbivorous. Um, they are both grazers and browsers. So, they will feed on grasses and some shrubs and they can even eat some plant species that are toxic to many other animals. This is a very nutrient poor diet, so to cope with this and extract as much nutrients as they can, they have a three-chambered stomach that contains bacteria that helps to break down the cellulose of the plants they eat. And a little insider knowledge: they love hibiscus flowers.
0: Okay, fun. <laughs>
1: if I ever have to crate them, I get hibiscus.
0: That's their favorite. Mm-hmm. And hibiscus are toxic to other animals, right? I'm not sure. I feel like they are. I feel like when I was doing the talk I know I've given plants.
1: them to tortoises quite a bit.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to go look that up while you're talking about it, because it's going to bother me. I feel like that was one of the ones that was on the, like, keep your cats and dogs away from this.
1: Probably. Um, These guys live in colonies called copies, which are rock outcroppings and cliffs, and these groups can be made up to 60 hyraxes. They will also feed together and usually in a circle formation to help keep an eye out for predators. Family units usually consist of an adult male and several adult females, and their respective offspring, and usually there's a 1 to 7 ratio of male to females.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Males are also known to live in bachelor groups, and the offspring are incredibly precocial. The pups are born with fur and eyes and ears open, and by day three, already trying solid food. Wow. Mm -hmm. These animals are diurnal, being most active during daylight hours, and rarely come out of their rock shelters when there is rain. This is also due to the fact they are not efficient at regulating their body temperature. Their rocky habitat also means they have evolved some unique adaptations to help them survive in this kind of environment. For example, they have rubber-like soles of their feet and have a hollow section in the middle that is formed by muscles. And they act like a suction cup and makes them incredibly agile and great climbers.
0: Weird. Mm-hmm.
1: Fun fact, hyraxes are consistent urinators and will urinate in the same location. And this actually causes large amounts of calcium carbonate to form um, that accumulates in their urine and turns the cliffs very white. And these calcium carbonate crystals were actually used by both African tribes and Europeans as medicine to treat various ailments like epilepsy and hysteria.
0: Oh, great. Yep. Just... Pee. and
1: that along with their poop is used to make perfume
0: because <laughs> why not yeah that's how i want to smell
1: but and they and be litter box trained
0: that obviously that's a great thing so yes. if they were pets Exa- that'd be easy
1: it's disgusting to clean
0: oh really <laughs> yes is it extra stinky or it
1: is like you take egg because you we use hay in their litter boxes you take that out and then you get hit with the emotion. smell yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. okay yep yeah. These animals may look like rodents, but they are not related to rodents at all, and their closest living relatives are actually elephants and manatees.
0: It is so crazy. Mm-hmm.
1: One trait in which you can see this is if you look at their teeth, because their upper incisors grow and continuously, they resemble tusks. This is in contrast with other mammals in which similar teeth are usually enlarged canines, not incisors. And unlike other mammals that would normally have claws for gripping surfaces, hyraxes have curved toenails like those of elephants. The rock hyrax is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN red list, and their population is currently in decl- is currently stable. Sorry. Okay. And they are a very common species and don't have any major threats, and in some areas they are so common they are considered pests by farmers.
0: Oh, no. Mm-hmm. This little face look at that how cute is that yes they are very cute anyway mm-hmm. love it
1: we have one that's a little she's chunkier than her sister oh and because nice of chunks. that it's very easy to tell them apart because we can't see her tusks as well
0: oh okay because <laughs> she's chunky or because she just has shorter tusks it could be
1: both <laughs> so we monitor her weight
0: oh no yeah, she's, got me she's on a diet. very
1: territorial over her food
0: oh oh that's why she's chonky. Yep. <laughs> All right. There he no, go. No,
1: like, I will crate her sister and use hibiscus. And if I release her first into the enclosure, um, and if I open the other one, then she'll go into her crate and take the hibiscus <gasps> that she didn't eat. Rude. <laughs> yeah.
0: Rude. Mm-hmm. All right. Well... I chose. I was struggling, like I said. I was like, I don't feel like a meerkat counts, and I feel like everything yeah. gonna be like that is gonna be like kind of basic. So I was like, you know what? A lot of antelope type species are herbivores, <laughs> so we're gonna go with that because there's a lot that are really cool. So I chose one um, that I think is the one at the top of the the African forest whatever thingy that I don't always see all the time, at least the males. So I chose the nyala. They're very pretty. They're also at the front, but the females are up front in the little thing right outside the loading zone on the other side of the loading mm. zone. Anyway, so.
1: I don't think that's what you think they are.
0: <laughs> no, they are. They literally told me that. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I literally okay. asked them what they are. Oh. And they're the female Nyalas. The males are in the. They've always told t- they
1: told me they were kudu.
0: No, the ones up front, they're Nyala. They're female Nyala. Mm. Anyway, so their scientific name the right. is uh, Trigelophus. Engasi is what i'm saying the species has a pretty small range and are only found in parts of zambia mozambique malawi zimbabwe Botswana, eswanti nope Estwa, es, eswatini there we go eswatini in South and and if you
1: want to butcher it you can in- use the english version of swaziland
0: oh okay that's what Swaziland is? Yes. All right, weird. Okay. They live in thickets in dry savanna and woodlands, usually near grasslands and freshwater. In captivity, they have been known to live nearly to 20 years. Like many other ungulates, they are sexually dimorphic, with males being larger than the females. Males get up to about 92 to 126 kilograms and over a meter tall. That's pretty tall. Females, 55 to 68 kilograms and a little less than a meter tall. Another obvious difference between the two sexes is in coloration, with males being a darker grayish-brown color, while females are a lighter tan color with much more noticeable white stripes. Males also have some elongated fur on their underside that is present from their neck down to their belly. The males also have a set of impressive spiral horns that average around 64 centimeters long, but the record was about 84 centimeters long. Oh, too far, too far. I overshot it. It It's pretty good. Mm -hmm. It's not crazy. Oh, no, I lost where I am now. Um, Like, she's making me laugh because I think she's trying to figure out how to get out. Are you stuck? I know I blocked your way, didn't I? You're going to have to jump on the bed and then jump out, stinky. Baby girl, baby girl, (laughs) babies oh god she's like how do i get out she's like how do i get out i know i blocked you i'm sorry all right, i'm gonna try to continue please try to not make no are you gonna come out the front can you do it there's boxes can you do it you might be able to but the thing is on the blanket She's trapped. the table's on the blanket she's not gonna get out of it all right we're just gonna try to continue and see how this goes okay here it goes anyway I had I had measured, so that's where we were. Okay. Like other antelope, these animals are herbivores and will both graze and browse, on uh, feeding on leaves, flowers, and twigs of woody plants. But during the rainy season, the majority of their diet will consist of grass. When it is available, they will drink water on a daily basis, but in times of drought, they can go extended periods without drinking water and extract the water they need from the plants they eat. They have also been observed following baboons feeding in trees and will eat fruits and leaves that the baboons drop. They, uh, these are a social species that can live in groups that can be made up of up to 30 individuals, but most average around 10 individuals. These groups can be highly variable, with some being consisted of all females. Sometimes the females will remain with their mothers even after they have young of their own. Males can also form single-sex herds, but these are much more temporary and usually serve as a transition period until they are fully mature. With only males having horns, it should come as no surprise—you're distracting me. (laughs) It should come as no surprise that the males will spare uh, will spar with one another when there are females in estrus to fight over mating rights. When the nyala are young, males and females will resemble an adult female and she's rubbing against me i'm trying to record this you're being distracting go over and say hi casey okay she's like no you want to go out you want to go out okay all right here you go it's your own fault okay when the Nyala are young, males and females will resemble an adult female, and this is likely to aid the young males to be protected from dominant bulls who may harass the developing males if they had the adult male's coat color, allowing them to grow peacefully with protection from the herd. <laughs> oh, poor little guys. Nyala are currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN Red List, and their population is currently stable. Compared to other antelope, they have a relatively restricted range, and they have disappeared from multiple areas in their formal range due to habitat loss from agricultural expansion. They still remain relatively widespread throughout their current range and aren't facing many major threats, and currently it is estimated that over 80% of the population lives in protected areas with most living in South Africa. Anyway, so that is the Nyala, and... They're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Specifically the males. The males are just real gorgeous. Yeah. Anyway.
1: They're too similar to several other antelopes.
0: <laughs> the, the females or the males? Both. <laughs> well, I would say the females. The females kind of look like bongos.
1: Yeah, they are related like, to hmm, bongos. They're yeah. in the same si- genus, Um, But yeah, that, there's also Greater Kudu, Cape Bushback, Harness Bushback, lesser Kudu, Mountain Nyala, Nyala, Sidutonga. All Maybe
0: the... it was Tonga and not Nyala that I was thinking of.
1: Because I know I see Show them by the a picture the of outlet. a Sidutongo. Uh This is a female.
0: Oh, no, I need a male. Oh. So this is a male Sidutonga. That's who I was really thinking of. Okay. Because I think they have them and one day I was up there and like, they're never out.
1: Then there's this lesser
0: kudu. Well, that's a kudu. I know kudus. Okay. Kudus are easy to identify no i think it was a Citatonga, because they're like these are Mm -hmm. almost never out and i'm like you're not kidding because i've never seen it before but these are still i still don't see these very often Mm -hmm. though but they're up there usually at the top in the corner
1: bongos are still the prettiest
0: i mean they are gorgeous but my are gorgeous and i'm
1: surprised we haven't talked about them i think
0: we haven't (laughs) talked about bongos that is crazy Mm -hmm. anyway um hey casey yes allie (laughs) you better get this one what did the plant say to the herbivore
1: What did the plants um? And sh-
0: I heard this one when I was a kid.
1: I don't know, actually.
0: Leave me alone. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> ah. uh. Oh dear. All right. Well, that is gonna bring us to our animal of the week, and our animal of the week this week is
1: the scimitar horned oryx. The
0: scimitar horned oryx. Woo! They're super cool, and mm-hmm. Casey's gonna tell us about them. Yes.
1: So, these guys are in the order Artiodactyla, and they're in the family Bovidae, and their scientific name is Oryx dama. Okay. This species of Oryx was once found throughout Northern Africa in countries like Morocco, Mali, Niger, and Egypt, among others in a region known as the Great Steppe. They live in steppes of deserts as well as semi-desert environments along the edge of the Sahara. They have an average lifespan of around 27 years. They stand at 1.4 meters tall, about 1.5 to 2.3 meters long, and weigh up from 100 to 210 kilograms. Okay. And they are sexually dimorphic, with males on average being a little bit larger than the females. And just like other antelopes, the scimitar-horned oryx is an herbivore, and they feed on grass, herbs, roots, and other vegetation when available. This species lives in a very arid environment and can go its entire life without drinking water and getting all the fluids it needs from the plants it eats. They will eat wild melons, twigs, and shoots as is a significant source of water. They also tend to feed at night as this is when there is a higher water content in the plant maximizing the fluids that they're able to take in.
0: Weird. Mm -hmm.
1: Due to the scarcity of resources in its arid environment, herds of up to 40 oryx, must travel great distances to find vegetation usually led by a head bull. historically in times when there is plentiful water there once were reports of herds up to a thousand individuals they have a white coat which helps to reflect sunlight and helps the oryx stay cool during the day they also have black skin and a dark tongue to help prevent them from getting sunburned while feeding or drinking They have an interesting mating ritual in which they form a mating circle in which the male and female will stand parallel to one another and circle around one another until the female allows the male to mate with her.
0: Just circle for forever like I'm done.
1: Another adaptation to their desert environment is their enlarged hooves, which increase the surface area they walk on and allows them to walk across the sand more efficiently. Like many other desert-adapted antelope, both males and females have horns because the limited amount of resources means that they will have to compete between individuals for food and water. They have another peculiar adaptation for mammals in that they are able to tolerate increases in their internal body temperature by several degrees up to 47 degrees Celsius.
0: What is 47 Celsius? Very hot. I, we'll look it up. Uh,
1: 126.
0: I think. Oh gosh uh celsius i imagine oh no what was the what was it
1: 47 degrees celsius
0: 47 Ooh, 116 that was close Was their normal temperature because ours is 98 is theirs as high as ours no is-
1: theirs is higher um okay. and the reason that higher is because if they have a higher body temperature, that means they do not need to sweat in order to lower their body temperature, mm, okay. and that helps them to conserve more water. Okay. They then dissipate this excess heat at night when their body temperature can drop lower due to the cold night in the desert. They also have a unique adaptation that would kill most other mammals. They have a network of blood vessels that transport blood from the heart to the brain. Oh. Yeah. And that would kill most animals cuz your brain is very special and can't be <laughs> hit with all that blood. <laughs> Especially if it's going from inside your heart and you have a body temperature that high. Yeah, yeah. But these vessels first travel off to the nasal passages that lowers the temperature of the blood before it gets pumped to the brain.
0: So weird. Mm-hmm.
1: The scimitar horn oryx was officially declared extinct in the wild by the IUCN Red List in two th- the year 2000. The main reason cited for its extinction of the wild population is overhunting, habitat loss, and competition with livestock. But back in March of 2016, 25 oryx were transferred to pre-release pens that were then placed in and reserved in August of the same year. And there is a species survival plan for this species among accredited facilities to breed them with the ultimate goal of reintroduction.
0: That was Mm -hmm. always the hope. Yep. These are the guys, right, that are up on that hill
1: at the yes. park?
0: yeah you know and they like i feel like they never talk about them anymore and i'm like i there know they are, the white dots <laughs> the White dots. especially if you're like over like behind the main african Plains exhibit you know like in the like mm-hmm. Roar and snore ish area yeah, you're like, like, I like i see the dots in the hill on the hillside
1: they're one of the reasons i bring binoculars a lot to the that makes park
0: sense. that makes sense but
1: it's like i find it so odd they don't talk about them more it's like you won't see these guys in the wild <laughs> it's like and you
0: won't see them here either we won't talk about them <laughs> yeah they're really cool were they always in that exhibit weren't they over weren't they over where the encoli cattle used to be i don't know i feel like they were because you used to actually see them Mm -hmm. and now i'm like i never see them anymore i know they're
1: still encoli cattle in there with them
0: yeah that makes sense because the encoli cattle are easy to see because they're so Mm -hmm. big so it's just weird i don't know why they i need to have a talk with them about moving things around (laughs) that i don't approve yeah
1: they're really cool. They're the obviously most endangered of the auric species, given that there's they're none left the in the wild. Wild, <laughs>
0: yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, they are really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's pretty cool, and that's it's cool. Obviously, it is. It's not cool because they're really hot. Actually, mm-hmm. poor guys having to yep. live in that would be rough. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, it is time for another round of cups. So here we go. You got the timer. You're the timer, dude. It's five minutes, right? Yeah. We. I know. I was thinking that too when I was doing. I was like, is it ten or five? But I'm pretty uh, sure. I'm pretty sure. Yeah,
1: because five. we tried ten, but it's like. And I was like,
0: this feels like this is going really long. Yeah. Oh. Oh no. Oh, I failed.
1: You fa- You failed. I failed. How'd I you fail? I
0: don't have a dice.
1: Oh lord. Nearby oh, no. to
0: decide. Can I reach them? <sighs>
1: Can I reach the dice? Is that a potato? It is a.
0: Potato. <laughs> Is a what you have the potato? Oh, I can. Okay, I know. I can. Do. Um, I have potato because I that's I can eat that occasionally. So, um, it was
1: kind of sad and ridiculous.
0: What?
1: When I'm working, I have to because we have potatoes and sweet potatoes, and yeah, it's I like am? I have to go. This is a sweet potato. <laughs> because no because like sweet potatoes like vary so much it's like this
0: is a sweet potato too right i feel like i'm always like it's a sweet potato or a yam i don't care it's not a normal are potato. they the same thing yeah oh that's what i think i'm pretty i think they're the same thing okay. i think sweet potatoes and yams are the same thing uh, but i feel like there are two different types i don't know because i feel like the one's very red Ish. yeah
1: i've seen the very red and ones kind of and like i've also seen one. the yellow ones yeah
0: so that's thing that throws me i'm like i don't know what's what anyway we'll be cutting a lot of that out that's fun
1: no you have
0: to... <laughs> me struggling to get the dice
1: <laughs> and talking about the potato and
0: potatoes are very important okay let's see like, pot- oh god okay try again it okay it's you it's odd it took a while to it's decide odd? it oh, yeah it, it, it was a nine Alrighty.
1: Alrighty. all ready and here go. we go Oh, it's very hot desert. A Sahara? No, it's in North America.
0: A Mojave. Yes. Rattlesnake. V- yes. Okay. Um I think you chose this. It is a bird, I can say that. Okay. <laughs> in a cold area? Well, the the part first part of its name is usually associated with cold.
1: Antarctica?
0: Yes, but take out the first part of that word. <laughs> like there's two of them
1: arctic yes okay
0: and then um to every season what <laughs> it's the first lyrics did you not know that song no what <laughs>
1: to every season <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> every now and then <laughs> mm-hmm. that's gonna be all 80s that's not 80s that's the 60s the first one was 60s um okay if i'm it's doing a, a pirouette a, a pirouette is a type of pirouette or like a chenay I'm talking to the wrong person who doesn't know their ballet? dance things at all Is that um, ballet? yeah well yes but um, it's many dance styles but those are types of a thing where you rotate <laughs> in a circular motion
1: <laughs> spin
0: no a different word for that twirl no <laughs> the first letter was right
1: twirl yeah turn yes oh arctic turn yes, there we Jeez. go <laughs> Tons. Okay, spotted or another striped spots can also be called what? I
0: are... <laughs> <laughs> what? You can't act it out anyway.
1: True. I'm not doing a good job anyway. Okay. <laughs> like to make a spot, you put a. Okay, this was one of your picks, I think. Okay. Um, so another word for spotted polka.
0: Dots. Dotted.
1: Okay. Um, the ocean or...
0: Oh, a dotted sea slug. Yes. Okay. Um, oh this is one of your picks. Okay. It is a snake. I can say that. It's from the same... Continent as the green anaconda.
1: Oh, bushmaster, black-headed bushmaster.
0: That had a different name when you did it. It was oh, South American bushmaster. Yes, there we go.
1: There's several bushmasters. (laughs) Oh crap! (laughs) I don't know.
0: I don't know how to say this. Is this a rando or just one you don't know how to get to?
1: I don't know how to get to. Okay. Can I skip?
0: Okay, put it aside, and we might have to come back to it.
1: uh, I don't know how to do that. Okay. Oh, this is a jewel, red one. A ruby. Yes, and a king wears a
0: crown. A ruby crown? What?
1: Oh, crap!
0: Can't say. Put it aside. Mother, this is a rough one for you why'd you turn into beaker what just happened <laughs> i don't know
1: <sighs> okay he postulated the theory of evolution
0: darwin okay. darwin's okay. fox yes okay good grief all right um i'm almost out of things oh boy this was your uh you chose it i think you did, you did, you did. <laughs> and it's, um, there's a lot of things I can't say. It's, uh, it kind of looks like a snake. Okay. And it's from Europe.
1: Oh, Iberian worm lizard. Yeah, there you go. So, a, if something is from the ocean, we say it's, oh, aqua. Marine. Um, that's a lizard. Marine iguana. Yep.
0: Okay. Um, it's next month is December, and there's a holiday in that month. Christmas? Yes.
1: Christmas tree worm?
0: Yes. There you go.
1: Okay. So I am ethnically
0: white, Dutch.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Think broader.
0: Netherlands. European? Yes. Okay.
1: It's a venomous snake. Adder. Put it together.
0: European adder. Okay. Okay. I'm out of things. You go back to the one you couldn't get. Okay. Um, (laughs) okay. I, this is like me, you're not tall Short Okay, and the things you hear with
1: Ear, short, eared
0: Opposite of cat
1: Dog? Yes Oh yeah
0: I had two left, how did you do so bad? How did you run out? Cause you screwed <laughs> Cause up these two I messed up Okay I was like well, one I still I don't have know how, how to say
1: the other one I said something that's in the name Okay Because I didn't think
0: Put the ones back in your cup that you did not get
1: I have to Google that one adjective.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: I got five.
0: Three, four. As did I. <sighs> Ten. <sighs> not our best work.
1: It's not an average of work. two per minute.
0: Yeah, that's not great. <sighs> We've done way better. I think we used to do like sixteen. Yeah. We that's, fumbled. We 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 had some troubles there. We had some troubles. This mm-hmm. is why we do it early so that we have options I'm to get I'm looking at this
1: word now because I don't know how to describe
0: it. But now you can't tell me what it is. I'm not going to tell you. Okay, good.
1: And just just Googling.
0: Okay, you Google. All right, well, that is going to bring us to the end of our first episode in Africa. Um, as always, we are your host, Allie. And Casey. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Animal Addicts Podcast.